Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a joy to spend each and every Saturday with you for all these years, ten and a half years. Still can't believe I get to do this. Working all week as a surgeon, seeing patients, 100 patients a week, 13 surgeries this week. And then I get to have a topic and talk about something that's on my mind and have a guest. And at 8.15, our guest is special. His name is Wes Horbituck, and he creatively started a new company to make a new kind of surfboard trunks with fabric on the outside and wetsuit material on the inside. I've been wearing these shorts, and it's amazing. They're warm, flexible, just awesome. And it made me think all week, you know how much I love the world of art, sports, and surgery. How cool is it when two worlds come together to make a brand new idea, a brand new product? So where in the world of sports do you see that? Well, in my lifetime, the greatest example is the windsurfer. But the story behind it is fascinating because it wasn't just one person. It was two guys, Hoyle Schweitzer and Jim Drake. They came together, a sailor, and a surfer, an engineer, and a computer guy, creative guy, who surfed, Hoyle Schweitzer, and decided to put a sail on top of the surfboard. But the big challenge was, how do you make it steer? How do you get direction? Yeah, you can get the wind to blow on the sail and it move. People had done that before. This guy named Darby in Philadelphia patented something, but he couldn't really steer it. Hoyle Schweitzer, Jim Drake changed the world. This is the story. In 1967, two men on the other side of the country in California put their heads together and came up with a sailboat design of their own. These men were, of course, Jim Drake, an aeronautical engineer, and Hoyle Schweitzer. What was what was different was they they used the wishbone boom and a Marconi rig. It was a design concept that was better than that was better than Darby's. Darby didn't get there. Darby had nothing to do with the wishbone boom. That was that was the greatest step forward was the wishbone boom. That's exactly right. The wishbone boom, the universal joint that Jim Drake came up with, the rope attached to the mast that Hoyle came up with. But there was friction because who's going to get all the credit? And Jim Drake wanted to still work as an aeronautical engineer. So he sold his half of the idea to Hoyle Schweitzer for $36,000 in the late 60s. And Hoyle took the ball and went running. It changed the world, the way you think about being on the water forever. 
Here's Matt Schweitzer, Hoyle Schweitzer's son, talking about their early days. As most people who have tried it know, even with an instructor, the first go can be quite calamitous. The next attempt was made by Hoyle Schweitzer, who added an uphole rope to the mix, utilized to get the sail up and out of the water. Once they were up and going, a whole new world of wind and water evolved. I know the first successful windsurfing was done at Malibu, and that was with uh, my father and a guy named Alan Parducci and Gary Seaman. And then Europe paid attention. Airline pilots. It was a German airline pilot who brought a bunch of windsurfers on the plane with him back to Germany. Because in Germany, it's not on an ocean. There's lots of little lakes, though, all over the country, which is perfect. You can't surf. There's no waves. But you got wind and you got water. And, oh, my God, did it take off. It was really unique to see somebody with a windsurfer, and then it grew to be the fastest growing sport in the world. They treated us like, like kings. It was insane. One of the countries where windsurfing became extremely popular, Germany, I think the popularity was on these little inland lakes. There were so many people who wanted to windsurf, they had to race in the water. It was such an in thing. You'd be driving around the Autobahn, and you know, one out of every three cars had a windsurfer on it. And it then blew up from there. But it continued to evolve. These two men came together, created a brand new idea. But it's so interesting how everyone who uses it said, hey, maybe I can make this mousetrap just a little bit better. And then in the 1980s, 10 years after they started, the Hawaiians got a hold of it and made the board shorter, jumped the waves, and did all kinds of tricks. The early 1980s saw a period of tremendous growth for windsurfing. Participation was at an all-time high. The professional World Cup tour was born, and the sport was awarded with Olympic status in the 84 games. In Hawaii, riders were taking the sport to new rocket levels, and equipment developed at a feverish pitch. Correct. First time I jumped the windsurfer was at Sunset Beach in California. You know, you'd be flying out, and going fast and a wave's coming at you and it's in inevitable that you, what's going to happen here. It's like on a, a motorcycle hitting a jump, you're going to get airborne. And I remember just yelling, going, oh my God, this is insane. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, you had a brand new board every week and a new sale every month. And, you know, the, the industry was classic. You'd have to buy this and six months later, you'd have to buy that. That one's completely outdated. And, you know, it was crazy for a while. And we all benefit from those initial innovators, creative minds coming together, bringing two worlds together. And to this day, it keeps evolving. It's just beautiful to see using wind while you stand on top of that surfboard. What about in the world of art, music? Well, what about the world of art in baking? This creative mind and he's the food item this week. Because I'm going to have you hunt down and find what I'm about to describe to you. He innovated something brand new from two different worlds. A donut and a croissant. He's a French baker named Dominic Ansel. And listen to the great Anthony Bourdain teach us a little bit about why he's so special and this creative mind and how Anthony Bourdain touched Dominic Ansel 
that launched him to do many creative things, bring many worlds together. In the pastry world, there are plenty of skilled technicians. Let's play the music, let's go. But very few of them are also magicians, like Dominique Ancel. He was the executive pastry chef for Daniel Boulou when his world-renowned restaurant Daniel won its coveted third Michelin star and was named the world's best pastry chef as part of the 2017 World's 50 Best Restaurant Awards. Wow. Dominique's creations are not only mind-blowingly delicious, they also tell stories that pull at your heartstrings, make you laugh, and always surprise. If you're serious about food, you know who Dominique Ancel is. If not, you probably know his most famous creation, the Cronut. When the Cronut launched, it was a genuine viral phenomenon. Three days after its launch, the line to get one formed at 5 a.m. and circled the block. Scalpers were selling the $5 pastry for over $40 a piece. Even a bouncer was hired. So Anthony Bourdain sits down with him and says, you created something by marrying two worlds, melding two worlds together. Did you realize it would become like this? Was it frightening? I mean, when this thing blew up, who could have anticipated that people would go this crazy for a thing? I mean, it was a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, you know, I I grew up in a small town, uh, north of Paris, like a very humble, like, uh, factory worker town. My dad used to work in factory. And I would have never imagined, if you had told me that you will be creating a pastry that will, that will go viral, I would have never believed it. But listen to Dominic Ansel, the creative mind, say to Anthony Bourdain, you actually said something to me that bothered me. You said on my tombstone, here lies the creator of the cronut, as if I'm only going to come up with one good idea in my life. You can't say that to a creative person. They breathe, they create. I love this conversation. You did not settle for, for, for this sit back and cash in. You kept going. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but we met like many, many years ago, and, and you told me something. You told me something that really like, stuck with me. You told me that on my grave, it will say Dominique Ansel, creator of the Conat. And you know, it's a nice thing to create something new, but it really got to me and haunted me for a long time. <laughs> but it was a very important part of the story that, that made me realize that I had more to offer and creativity is something that any chef should be developing and growing in the kitchen. That's exactly right. I appreciate the compliment, but don't tell me I'm just going to come up with one thing. As Dominique says, don't let the creation kill the creativity. The success of the Cronut allowed Dominique to share his vision around the globe, and he now has bakeries in London and Tokyo, as well as a second location in New York, which serves as his laboratory and creative playground. What is key to pastry versus baking versus cooking? You're making a big bowl of spaghetti sauce. You stick your finger in, you tell or a spoon, and you taste. Needs more salt, more pepper. Maybe you want it spicier, some chili peppers, sausage taste, whatever. As you're cooking it, you get to modify it, talk to it. Not in baking. You need one and a quarter cups of this and one and a quarter. And if you are off by even a little bit, the end result is all you get to taste. It's over. It's different. Baking is a science. It's an exact science, and you don't get to taste it while it's cooking, not like making a sauce. And for that reason, they are magicians. Good bakers are hard to come by. 
I suck at pastry. Pastry chefs and bakers know how to do something that I could never do. A sauce, it's a little of this, a little of that. Uh, okay, it's good. There's a margin for error. If you yeah. don't put the right amount That's of right. everything, it's just not going to work. Pastry is science, and science has to be precise. So everything is measured, scales, weighted out. But there's also this, this touch that you need. And uh, especially when you make bread, croissants, it's, it's alive. To me, it's magic. It's every <laughs> time, and I, I'm envious. Yes, because he ain't good at it, but Dominic Gensel is a master. One of the reasons is his hands are so cold, his circulation isn't great, which is a benefit. Because you need quick hands and you need cold hands to be a baker. Why does it have to be cold? Because you want the butter not to melt as you're making the dough. The key to cold butter in your dough is that when you put it in the oven, it makes air pockets and makes the crust flaky. Go to the apple pan on Pico and Westwood Boulevard and have a pie. The filling of that pie here will be great. But that crust, that homemade flaky crust at the apple pan is second to none because they let the butter stay cold when they make their dough. It's some sort of, of craft that you have to master and you have to do it over and over again, day after day after day. It's not something you can just like pick up and like be good at it. It's something you really have to do for years and years of your life. You know, if I could live my life over again, I'd be able to make good bread, good croissant, and play bass like Bootsy Collins. That's cool. Then <laughs> I'd be a happy man. <laughs> I wish you were still a happy man living with us, Anthony Bourdain. Damn. Our DKs are, are, are very special, so you need quick right. hands. And right. you also need cold hands, which I have. Right. Luckily. Right. I have really, really cold hands. Yeah, you're right. It's freakish, <laughs> man. So it's good to touch the dough, to touch the chocolate. Right. I can do pretty much anything I want. Bad circulation, I believe we call it. <laughs> <laughs> so our dough is essentially pretty ready right here. You can see this, this, this elasticity. Yeah. And we're just going to put it on a tray. Let it. Let chill. It chill. Temperature is a critical issue here. The chilling of all components ensures optimal texture while you fold the dough. You want pliable, but not too soft. Here now you'll hear Anthony Bourdain say, listen, young pup, you took a big risk thinking you're going to be the best pastry chef in New York City. What are you, crazy? You took a risk, though, and you did it. To invest all your money to open a pastry shop in a city filled with pastry shops. Okay, maybe they're not as good, but, but it was a very risky venture. Why would you do that? It was a very risky move, and at the time I wasn't sure exactly what I was doing, but I knew deep inside that I wanted to have something on my own. Not because I was greedy, but more because I needed to express myself fully from the beginning to the end. At 8.15, we're going to be talking to a creative person, Wes Horbatuck, who came up with a new type of board shorts. But just like Anthony Bourdain is about to point out to Dominic Ansel, the baker, it's not about the bakery. It's not about the product. He's using cooking to get to people's emotion. Making a new board shorts with neoprene and fabric is not about the board shorts. It's about giving the customer freedom, the warmth, the flexibility. It's an emotional thing to wear these new surf trunks. It goes deeper than that. The windsurfer lets you do something deeper than just riding on the waves. But listen to Anthony Bourdain explain it to us like nobody else could ever do. 
Dominique is clearly a chef who knows the value of a little showmanship. Like the best magicians, he puts a premium not just on delighting his audience, but on the countless hours of hard work involved to make it seem effortless. Chef Ancel is not just creating food, he's creating experiences. The food just happens to be his medium of choice, and his currency is emotion. And we as human beings are the beneficiary of creative people who come up with something brand new, and it makes you happy. In summary, that's what Anthony Bourdain says about the cronut. It's more than the baked goods. We create pastries to like reach out to people's emotions. It's the best. Even before Proust waxed rhapsodic about his famous Madeleine, cooks have long known that food is a powerful trigger for some of our most intimate memories. But Dominique is not interested in just cracking open your emotional past. He's interested in opening your sense of possibility. Every creation is designed to inspire wonder. And when wonder tastes like this, oh, wow. well, who am I to argue? I feel better about the world. See? I'm going to go home and make a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you where you can bite into this invention called a cronut and where the best one in L.A. is a little bit later in the show. And coming up next, we're going to talk to a creative person in the world of fashion, marrying two separate worlds, melding them together. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710. ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. At Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. So Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I have no idea why Steve Paulette is playing The Wallflowers at Jacob Dylan, but it is a beautiful song. I learned recently from my friend Russ, who taught auto shop at North Hollywood High School for many years, who I love to surf with every Sunday, that it's well known in the world of auto mechanics, and everybody knows this, but clearly me, the Jewish guy in the group, that if you blow out one headlight, which is what this song is about, you definitely should get both headlights replaced. I didn't know this. Everybody see, everybody got the memo but me. And Russ explained, it's because of the filament. It makes perfect sense that if you blow out one headlight, that pretty soon the other one's going to blow out because they put them in at the same time. And like I say, there's more to learn from that statement than just changing your headlights. I think in life, the metaphor is, if one thing blows out, you better change the other thing too. And there you go. 
Right now, I want to welcome in my guest, the great Jared Abrams, tracked him down with this brilliant invention called Drifters, the great Wes Horbatuck. Wes, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Uh, no problem. I'm actually coming in from a morning surf. This is perfect. Ah, <laughs> how are the waves today? A little bit small, but uh, still fun. You still got wet, but you get to stay dry because you're wearing drifters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, drift line, baby. <laughs> drift line. I love it. So I want the listeners to know what it's like to hear from a creative person who was smart enough to say, this is a great fabric that you can use for surf trunks. Here's my wetsuit, which is neoprene. No one ever did this before. Why not marry the two together and came up with this brilliant idea? So teach us a little bit about who you are, Wes. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What does your dad do for a living? And how did you come up with this crazy idea? Yeah, that's a, that's a great little intro. Um, so I'm, I'm Wes Horbertuck, and I'm actually from the East Coast originally, uh, Connecticut area. Hmm. Um, I grew up surfing and actually being a waterman uh, on the on the coast up near Rhode Island and all the way down to the, the shores of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up going and traveling south to uh, Elon University where I got my undergrad and then back up to uh, New York area and NYU where I got my MBA. Wow. But I kind of built my earlier career in, in finance and financial tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do still do that now. Uh, but actually, there was something creative missing in my life. Um, and I found that a lot of that creativity was was really pushed forward through water sports. Hmm. Um, and moving out to San Diego and uh, the West Coast about five, six years ago um, actually really heightened that. And uh, found my love for the ocean. And, you know, it was for a, a Dawn Patrol surf session where it's that transitional time of year, much like it is now. Um, where the water was just a little too cold for board shorts, but a little too warm for a standard wetsuit. And I, I kind of had the aha light bulb moment on the morning shores and was like, oh my gosh, why has no one married these two products together? Wow. And, uh, and the idea for Driftline was born. You know, people ask me, I'm an inventor also, and I'm a surgeon who's an inventor, but it's the same thing being creative. And they just ask me, you know, where does all this energy come from? you know, to make a new device, a new product. And I think it's maybe, and I'd love to hear what you say about it, the energy comes from the fact that it's more than the board shorts. It's more than the surgical tools I come up with. It becomes an emotional thing about life. I want you to listen to Anthony Bourdain talking about a pastry chef who came up with a donut and a croissant, Dominic Ansel. But listen to how Anthony Bourdain almost tells us it's more than the pastry. It's about life. Dominique is clearly a chef who knows the value of a little showmanship. Like the best magicians, he puts a premium not just on delighting his audience, but on the countless hours of hard work involved to make it seem effortless. Chef Ansel is not just creating food, he's creating experiences. The food just happens to be his medium of choice. And his currency is emotion. You are creating experiences because of these shorts, right? It's really more than the shorts. You agree, Wes? I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, at the surface level, it pretty much starts looking like, hey, these are a pair of board shorts Mm -hmm. um, with a uh, wetsuit liner underneath. But in reality, what we're really trying to do 
is allow the athlete and the water sport athlete to really, you know, meet that moment mm. when you're either standing on like the edge of the ocean, the water about to go in or a lake or whatever your water sport is. We're our goal is for us to eliminate that whole need to worry about being warm or comfortable, being supported or worrying about chafing. We want you to be focusing on your, your sport so you can, you know, free your mind and focus and really, you know, do the best you can um, at your water sport. And how do you feel when people say, okay, Wes, you came up with a good idea and, and you're supposed to just be happy with that. So listen to how pissed off Dominic Ansel says it made him when Anthony Bourdain says on your tombstone, it's going to say, here lies Dominic Ansel, the creator of the Cronaut. One thing, and it bothered him. You did not settle for, for, for this sit back and cash in. You kept going. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but we met like many, many years ago. And, and you told me something. You told me something that really like stuck with me. You told me that on my grave, it will say Dominican Cell, creator of the Conat. And you know, it's a nice thing to create something new, but it really got to me and haunted me for a long time. <laughs> but it was a very important part of the story that, that made me realize that I had more to offer. And, Creativity is something that any chef should be developing and growing in the kitchen. How do you feel about that? You know, here's here's Wes. He came up with a good board short. Don't you as a creative person feel like, no, I'm going to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's incredibly well said. And, you know, I don't think I've created something as prolific as the Corona. <laughs> that, being, <laughs> that being said, I, I, I mean, much like you, you know, when you invent and when you create, it's addictive. You mm. want to continue to do something that not only right. inspires, but also creates something new and innovative for the world. So just because it's like one thing stuck and it you know, seems to have traction doesn't mean that I'm going to focus the rest of my life on this. Mm. I want to keep going. I want to be hungry. So tell us a little bit, because people are fascinated by innovators like you. What's the difficulty? Why? I'm sure there's a reason why people never thought it was possible to meld a fabric with neoprene. Tell us what the difficulties have been like to launch an idea like this. I mean, in the beginning, it really was getting into the industry. Um, you know, I don't have a uh, fabrics or apparel background. Wow. So finding that path is a really high barrier to entry. Um, but initially when we're getting that, you know, once we've got our foot in, we worked with a designer, we went through 16 manufacturers before we could even wow. find one that would be willing to try this idea out because it's just too hard to stitch these two fabrics together. Huh. Um, so it was all through persistence and, and working with the right team and people. And finally we found someone willing to take a chance on us. And, uh, and we, I don't know, went through about eight, nine iterations of the product before we found one that we were satisfied with. Mm. Um, both in quality of materials and the quality of the stitching. Mm. For people listening who maybe have their own ideas, what could you tell them? What were what surprised you most in initiating uh, and starting a company so brand new with an idea? I would say what surprised me, and you know, this isn't the first thing I've ever started, um, but what surprised me is how much I actually ended up loving every second and loving even the challenges. Um, and I think that has to do with the actual topic at hand. I found something that I'm passionate about through other things that I'm passionate about. 
hmm. like water sports. Hmm. So what was really surprising is that even in the tough times, I would be way more willing to do this any day of the week than I would be willing to do something in the good times where I'm not infatuated or in love with the idea. And how about the future, Wes? I mean, we just got started talking about how you started this. What's coming down the pike as if this isn't enough? And where do you see yourself taking this company that you started called Driftline? Well, we as you just said, just started and I'm still finding that love for it. You know, I'm, I'm in the honeymoon phase of Driftline mm -hmm. and we have a lot of iterations and ideas. We're probably like 90, 90% satisfied with the product that we have and mm -hmm. it's really good right now, but we want to build specific for water sport athletes, spe mm -hmm. specific sports, whether you're a windsurfer, a kayaker, a surfer, I feel like all of them have different needs and I feel like the water sport industry is just right for someone to come in mm. and make something specific high end for those athletes so mm. they can really charge their sport and and really grow as athletes well and, uh, i, I want to be part of that i gotta tell you i uh, thanks to jared abrams uh you were able to send me a pair and i love them i did i was skeptical like what is oh my god they are comfortable they are warm they're everything <laughs> that you set out to be so thank you for having me try them i i really really love them how can the listener Get a pair of Driftline. You, is there online? You go to a surf shop. What's the story? Yeah, you can get them online um, at www.driftline.co. Um, you can also follow us on any major social media. Okay. Um, that's the main place to get our trunks right now. Got it. Wow. What a great story. By the way, what does your dad do for a living? Did you get inspiration from your mom, your dad? Uh, honestly, my mom, my dad, and my entire family just grind. They love they love the passion. My dad's actually, um, an in, he owns an insurance company, mm -hmm. um, and my mom is in the medical field. Wow. So um, just always grinding and you know putting passion first. Well, that's what you've done, and you've, you've created a great product. And I know it's a reach to talk to you and compare you to Hoyle Schweitzer and Jim Drake and Dominic Ansel, but in my crazy mind, you're exactly the same. And the success that they have have had, I believe, will be the same for you. Thanks so much for getting up early for and being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Okay, my pleasure. The great Wes Horbatuck from Driftlines. What a cool new product. All right, coming up next, Warriors. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And, yes, I'm going to have to tell you where you can get a slice of heaven here in L.A., in West L.A. is the bakery I'm going to send you to. They make donuts, but they also make Dominic Ansel's invention, a cronut. The best cronut, in my opinion, in L.A. I'll tell you where it is. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. 
Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm too much scheidenfreuding. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I wonder how many times you've been had And I wonder how many plans have gone bad I wonder how many times you had sex And I wonder, do you know who'll be next? I wonder, I wonder Wonder I do Oh, I love this guy. Sixto Rodriguez. His mom his mom was really creative. Because Sixto Rodriguez was her sixth child. So there she is wondering, hmm, I have a new boy. Wonder what what name should I come up with? I'll call him Six. Thank you very much. Genius. When I was uh a young medical student delivering babies as part of my OBGYN rotation. I swear to God, one of the little girls we uh, that I delivered, I went the next day just to see them in the nursery and how they were doing. The little baby's name was Female. The creative mother who named Sixto Six because he was the sixth child. The same kind of mother named the baby girl female, Female. Genius. But that music, if you ever get a chance, you watch that movie about Sixto Rodriguez. Surfing for Sugarman. Searching for Sugarman. I said surfing? Yeah, I got surfing. I got waves on my mind right now. All right, let's open the clinic, Steve Paulette. I'll reveal the bakery and what we're going to be doing next week. I cannot wait. Next week, oh, is it going to be fun. But let's do the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Where are we going first? Going to Chris. Chris, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Ah, good morning. Thanks for uh, hanging on the line. Sorry it took so long. Apologize. No problem. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 61, and I've been a professional photographer for the past 30 years. Oh, wow. So do you have people jump, and then you take the picture with them in the air? What's your secret? <laughs> that, that doesn't work too well in healthcare. I don't know if I'd be able to get you to do that in your office. You're a healthcare <laughs> photographer. Really? Yes. Oh. Yes, I am. You know, since the iPhone came about, when I do surgery and I open up someone's knee or their shoulder or their hip or whatever I'm doing, I have the nurse take a picture with my iPhone of what the worn-out cartilage or torn tendon or whatever looks like. And after the case, I show it to the patient. I mean, I never used to be able to do this. God bless Steve Jobs. He keeps, you know, giving me new reasons to uh, explain things to patients, and I just love it. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a rookie photographer, certainly not as good as you. <laughs> All right. So what's up? You listen to the show? You know so what Clapper Vision is? Yes, I do. All right. And uh, you helped me uh, a while back with a meniscus problem in my right knee, but now I want to go over to the left knee. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, you're called an annuity, by the way. I tell patients, you're either pre-op or post-op. Sooner or later, you're going to need an orthopedic surgeon. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, where where are you from? Where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living? 
Uh, I've lived, I was born in Los Angeles and lived in Southern California my whole life. Wow. My dad was born here in L.A. Wow. Uh, he was a real estate broker. Wow. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to high school? I went to Mark Keppel High School in Alhambra. Oh, wow. And, and college? Uh, Cal State Los Angeles. Wow. And is this where you took up photography? Uh, it started out as a hobby when I was 19, and I kind of putzed around with it for about 10 years before I started to take it seriously on the advice of my sister because she saw my passion for it, and uh, I decided to pursue it professionally. Do you love Ansel Adams? Yeah, there's a lot of photographers that the work is just, it still stands you know, today, just the test of time and everything. And, He's one of the all-time greats. He's the all-time great. The other great one is the greatest sports photographer, and he calls into the show all the time, is Andrew Bernstein, the to- the uh, photographer for the Lakers for 40 years. Yeah. He's awesome. So yeah, how can I help you? Young- tell me tell me what to do about your knee. Okay, so uh, the left knee now, uh, I felt uh, it feels like I maybe kind of hyperextended it a little bit, and what I'm feeling is a slight clicking sound and a little instability, hmm. and I'm not sure what to do about it. So what's fascinating is three things allow us to have stability, that when you plant your foot to take a step, that you feel a solid foundation with your whole leg, your foot, your ankle, your knee, your hip, as you make that first step and then go to the second step. Three things mm-hmm. give you a solid foundation. Let me give you a clap revision in the photography business. You can either hold the camera and take a picture or you can get a tripod, right? You, where you screw into the bottom of the camera and you have those three feet, that's why it's called a tripod, and it stabilizes right. the camera. That, that gives it this beautiful stability. Same thing for your knee. Your knee has three things. One, the beautiful female-male fit of the femur into the tibia. The way the joint is made, the way the kneecap is shaped so it tracks beautifully down the center. And as a sculptor, a marble sculptor, I'm sure one of the reasons I love bone so much because it's like stone. It's a three-dimensional geometrical jigsaw puzzle that fits perfectly male-female. And that gives you stability uh, in terms of straightening and bending your knee. The second of three things that gives your knee stability is how you fire your muscles. Your quadriceps in front, your hamstrings in the back, your gastroc muscle below, when they contract, they freeze up in a good way your joint, and when they contract, they give stability to the movable part, which is the joint, your knee joint. And the final, the third and final item that gives you stability is the cable, the canvas-like cables that are inside the knee joint, four of them, better known as the ligament, the medial and the lateral collateral ligament, and the two in the center, the anterior and posterior cruciate ligament. But part of the anatomy that helps the ligaments is the shape of the meniscus, the thickness of the cartilage on the end of the bone that gives you this three-dimensional locking mechanism of the two separate bones that move but also gives them stability. So think about it. If you start to wear away your meniscus and thin out the cartilage because you're getting older, at Cedars we call Mm -hmm. it altococcoritis, we get older, (laughs) you now 
are slightly changing the male-female perfect fit, ball and socket joint, geometry of the joint. And so you feel movement, you feel instability, you feel excursion. Well, despite what the anti-aging clinics like to promise you, that take this pill or you have this shot of stem cells and you're going to grow young again, which is ridiculous in my opinion, but we live in a society where you get to say whatever you want and apologize later. (laughs) But the reality is, is you don't even, shouldn't say the the untruth to begin with, right? But that doesn't stop people because there's no money in that. There's money in saying, I'm going to make you younger. You're going to be 10 again, which is ridiculous. But- you can't really grow that stuff back. And I love, I'm a busy surgeon, but I love teaching people how not to have surgery. So I like to write books, like a book I wrote with Linda Huey called Heal Your Knees, all about how to exercise using the pool, the stationary bike, the elliptical, and stay away from, for a 61-year-old, the treadmill, lunges, squats, stair machines, weights, and no shots of cortisone and other kind of needles into your knee. The, my biggest advice to you is buy yourself a birthday present, a Schwinn spinning bike. And I don't work for the Schwinn company. I just think they make a good product. And I like the mm-hmm. spinning bike because it won't tip over. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour, ride the stationary bike, watching the Lakers or the Rams, which would be a great idea. On TV, half an hour, don't do an hour. And on the days you don't do the bike, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, half an hour, belly button high water walk forwards and backwards in a pool. This is how holistically you will strengthen the quad, the hamstring, the calf muscle, and you will strengthen the tone of those muscles as you lose the meniscus and the cartilage as you get older because it's you're getting older. But that's how you will pick up one of the three things that still remains that you can do something about, you can't change the shape of the bone, right? You can't change the functionality of the ligament. But if you improve the tone of your muscle, you will bring stability to that joint. Capiche? That sounds great. I knew that I could count on you for a good answer this morning. Okay, young man. A pleasure to talk to you. A pleasure to have you as a weekend warrior. And listen, you're a total stranger to me. I need you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right. Thanks, Dr. Carpenter. All right. God bless you. All right. Well, you want to take mail? We'll take a break. Let's take a break. We'll pay some bills. Mel, hang on the line. I promise to get you. Plus, I love that name, Mel, because is it just Mel or does it stand for something? The maitre d' at the Homowack Hotel where I worked as a, in the Catskills as a busboy was Mel Friedman. He had more four-letter words in his mouth than any truck driver I ever met. But we'll get into that. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. I wonder how many times you've been ahead and I wonder how many plans have gone bad. It's good to be king, right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning 
than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, yeah. That's right. These are the good times. Don't let that news tell you that this is a bad time. These are the best times. Why? Because you're here. Don't focus on the bad. Focus on the good. Have yourself a cronut today. Where are you going to get a cronut in Los Angeles? That Dominic Ansel invented taking a beautiful donut and marrying it with a croissant. My favorite donut place in the world is in Ventura, California. It's called Good Time Donuts. Blueberry glazed donuts. Oh, are they good? Now she has one with orange flavor on top. Oh my God, it's so good. And every time I go, there's people, weekend warriors coming out going, I drove all the way from Tehachapi, Temecula. I don't even know where half these places are. Good time donuts in Ventura. But I need a croissant married to a donut that Dominic Ansel invented. And so in Los Angeles, here it is. Here's the place you need to go to. It's not that far from Cedar sinai It's not that far from the Grove. It's on off of 3rd Street. The place is called SK's Donuts. My mouth is watering already. Oh, my God, are they good. You know which one I had? I didn't put it on Twitter. Go on Twitter. You can see a picture of it. At Dr. Robert Clapper. Dr. Clapper. She, she or he, they cut the cronut in half, and in the middle of it they put Nutella, which is chocolate and hazelnut, with strawberries, fresh strawberries. Let me tell you, you take a bite of that, you're ready for a cup of coffee and a cigarette, if you know what I mean. And I don't smoke, and I'm a doctor telling you not to smoke. But something special happens. SK's Donuts. I've tasted lots of cronuts in this town. In my opinion, they make the best. In Manhattan Beach, there's a good place also named Becker's. But I love SK's. All right, let's take some calls because I'm going to run out of time here. Let's go to Mel. Mel, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper, it's been a pleasure to hear you. Uh, I really have this program. So thank you. you. How long have you been listening? You know what? I just discovered you. Oh, really? Wow. So I can't yeah, ask you what I your favorite story is. Forget about it. <laughs> what do you do for a living? How old are you? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm 75. I've done a number of things. Yeah. The best thing I guess I did is uh, I'm a very good electrician. I have a really? one guy that I know who's better than I am at the low voltage stuff, things under 600 volts. You know what I mean? What did your dad do make- for a living? Where'd you grow up? He, I, I grew up here in Los Angeles County, wow. and uh, my dad built aircraft before and after World War II, but he built 
some of the aircraft I worked on in Vietnam. Wow. That's amazing. amazing. Do you have a pilot's license? Did, he, did your dad have a pilot's license? No, he was going to get one. He and another friend of his found an old uh, aircraft. It was cloth covered. They recovered it. And uh, I have the, one of the propellers on it uh, in my room. And uh, they rebuilt the thing. They had it out at Whiteman Airport. And the games broke in. And they destroyed about 40 aircraft. Destroyed oh, God. them. God, that's they terrible. Destroying aircraft. He had rebuilt the engines on them, and his brother-in-law, my mom's brother, was an electronics man, and he rebuilt and worked on the radios, and uh, hmm. re turned this thing into a gym, and they're just ready to fly it. They taxied it a few times, wow. and then it got uh, destroyed by these uh, gang thugs. They broke in and destroyed. A number of people's uh, beautiful aircraft. That's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Now, listen, as an electrician, have you ever been shocked? Have you ever been thrown across the room because you you touched two wires together? Yeah. (laughs) That's my question. Whenever someone says, I ask them, what do you do for a living? They say, oh, I'm an electrician. If they don't tell me that they've been shocked and got thrown across the room, then they ain't a real electrician because I don't think you can be a real electrician unless that has happened to you at least once in your life. Well, it's happened several times. But I have a <laughs> when I don't have a meter and I want to test, yeah, uh, just like 120 volt basic <laughs> stuff. You just, you just touch them lightly and you can feel if it's five or That's not. Exactly right. And isn't the coolest thing that that the electricity that opposites attract but like-minded ones repel? I mean, I just, electricity is like a full-time job, how fascinating that is. But let me tell you something. To some extent, when you, Mel, break your leg, you break your bone, and you need it to heal, the osteoblast cells in your body that allow the calcium to make callus to heal your bone, when we really go deep into why it's healing, it's because of electricity. The, The tiny little cells in our body respond to the electric current and that's what inspires the osteoblast to lay down the mineral your heart right now when you you know you have high blood pressure they give you calcium channel blockers your heart is beating believe it or not because of electricity that's why you can do an EKG and you see the the EKG come out it's because right now electricity is coming through your skin out of your heart muscle so you're a big time electrician but the cardiologist is a small-time electrician in the sense that we use electricity either macro or micro. It really is what runs the world. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Uh, I'm just taking notes on you. I got, I'm going to meet you. I am going to meet you one day. <laughs> have, one, have one of those donuts with you. I okay. am totally serious. I'm going to find and look you up, and we're going to have a great conversation about Worldly events and other things that you know of. It's my pleasure. And that I know of. This my is, pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. I've already figured it out. Okay. All right. Um, what what'd you do to yourself? How'd you hurt yourself? How can I help you? Well, I have some low back pain, but when I was a young guy, uh, I had an affinity for cars. I rebuilt my first engine when I just turned 15. And uh took me nine days of my uh, Easter vacation. Uh, but I... 
got into a bad habit sometimes of lifting blocks and things, bare blocks mostly, and putting them up from the ground up to a bench to work on them. Okay. It was okay for a while, but now that I'm older, I'm feeling that pain. And also, I have a soreness to the left of my spine at the base of the ribs. I don't think it's associated with the spinal column. I'm wondering if that's maybe a bad uh, liver or kidney or something. I don't know anything about really the inside of the body, although a friend of mine just bought me a... Okay, so do you have an internist? Do you have a family practitioner? you have somebody good taking care of you? Not really. I have the VA. But, uh, okay. I have excellent dentists there, but I have some other doctors who are not quite so... Listen, uh, I'm going to give you some advice right now. You're 75 years yeah. old. You still got Medicare. You can use your Medicare. You need to come to Cedars and have a good internist take care of you. And um, I don't know if we have Medicare or not because I've got the VA. Maybe no, you got planned. Medicare. You still have me. You're 75. We live in America. You got you're you're gonna be taken care of. You need to get yourself a good internist, someone who's gonna pay attention to you, sit down with you, and you are totally right. All that hurts in your back and a 75 year old guy may not be coming from your back. You could be, have issues with your kidneys, your internal organs, like you said. Your li- yeah, all these things. Guess what? You need a blood test. You need a stethoscope. You need an EKG. You may need an MRI or a CAT scan. You need someone to make sure that you're going to live uh, as long as you're supposed to be living and not succumb to any of these mild aches and pains and problems that could be escalate and become something bigger. I've got a favorite internist. His name is Kalpari. That's a good name that I can give you. Cameron Kalpari at Cedars. You, you need to get checked out. I don't need you, and God bless the VA for all that they do. You need a real good internist, and you should come to Cedars. That would be my advice to you, all right? That's where you start with. Not what medicines can I give you for your pain. Forget about it. You need to figure out why you're having pain. I agree. All right, young man, and I look forward to meeting you one day, and thanks so much for calling. All right, Warriors, next week, my guest is fascinating. We're going to talk about things in life that are bent and how it makes us stronger. Until then, I'll see you on the radio. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.